Jeremiah 31, 1-6, 10-14, 23-25. At that time, declares the Lord, I will be the God of all the families of Israel, and they will be my people. This is what the Lord says, the people who survive the sword will find favor in the wilderness. I will come to give rest to Israel. The Lord appeared to us in the past saying, I have loved you with an everlasting love. I have drawn you with unfailing kindness. I will build you up again and you, virgin Israel, will be rebuilt. Again you will take up your trembles and go out to, the, go out to dance with the joyful. Again you will plant vineyards on the hills of Samaria. The farmers will plant them and enjoy the fruit. There will be a day when watchmen cry out on the hills of Ephraim, Come, let us go up to Zion, to the Lord our God. Hear the word of the Lord, you nations. Proclaim it in the distant coastlands. He who scattered Israel will gather them and will watch over his flock like a shepherd. For the Lord will deliver Jacob and redeem them from the hand of those stronger than they. They will come and shout for joy of on the heights of Zion, they will rejoice in the bounty of the Lord, the grain, the new wine, and the olive oil, the young of the flock and herds. They will be like a well-watered garden, and they will sorrow no more. Then the young woman will dance and be glad, young men and old as well. I will turn their mourning into gladness. I will give them comfort and joy instead of sorrow. I will satisfy the priests with abundance, and my people will be filled with my bounty, declares the Lord. This is what the Lord Almighty, the God of Israel, says. When I bring them back from captivity, the people in the land of Judah and in its own towns will once again be used, will use these words. The Lord bless you, you prosperous city, you sacred mountain. People will live together in Judah and all its towns farmers and those who move about with their flocks. I will refresh the weary and satisfy the faint. This is the word of the Lord. Thank you, Sarah, for, for that reading. Uh, good morning, everyone. I'm glad uh, we're able to come together and to worship uh, God together. Uh, Joyce, also, thank you for that set, uh, for leading us uh, through the piano, and just uh, for the organicness uh, that really flowed from uh, your being and uh, from your soul. Uh, we have a one-off sermon uh, today. I'm titling it uh, Learning to Rest uh, because as we go into the summer months, uh, I believe is important for us uh, to, uh, to learn to rest, uh, to really Sabbath and to take a break and to learn to stop and, and, and be with uh, the, the Lord. And you probably noticed the theme of all the things, all the truths and, um, that God declares over us as Sarah was reading the text today as uh, God was speaking over the people of Israel. And we need to learn to stop, uh, learn to rest, learn to rejuvenate and learn to just, just be with God. Because I know, I don't know if it's true for you, but it's true for me. Uh, we experience, I experience God's love most when I feel the most rested as well. That often when I'm busy and running around and I'm just tired, I miss out on what God has for me. It's not that God has changed. It's not that God has moved away. It's more of, I, I, I've, been, I've been distracted and I miss out on what God is saying to me. So I'm hoping today that we'll take a moment to pause and 
to rest and to really hear uh, the word of God. Uh, why don't I just pray for us again as we dive into the word. Uh, Father, this morning, uh, we're all here uh, just to hear your word, God. Um, it's been a long week. It's been a long year, two years, God, of everything that's been going on. And we come before your throne this morning just seeking rest, seeking refuge, uh, seeking sanctuary, uh, from the ways of this world. So may you refresh us, may you fill us this morning, uh, and may, may your word, God, just be in our hearts and just blossom and grow into something beautiful. I pray for all of us that are tired, God. Uh, may we just come before you uh, in honesty uh, and um, in humility as well. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. <clears throat> So as we're reading through, uh, as Sarah was reading through Jeremiah there, uh, Jeremiah is often known as the weeping prophet. Uh, and you're like, well, why are you taking away, take, you know, how, how are we going to learn about rest uh, as we read from this weeping prophet who really mourned over Israel, mourned over the brokenness of the nation and how they have rejected God. And, 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 and Jeremiah spent a lot of time foretelling what's going to happen to Israel and the judgment that's going to come. So whenever Jeremiah opened his mouth, whenever he showed up, he wasn't the most popular person at the party because as often he's here saying a warning over the people saying that God is going to come and judge you because of all the things that you've been doing, all the ways that you have fallen away. Yet within this section here, text about 30 chapters of warning to Israel, there's a, a, there, there's a great promise here of God reinstating his covenant to the people of Israel. After 30 chapters or so, uh, God turns the page and turns the narrative into a story of restoration a restoration for his people, a restoration for his church. And he's saying that even though you go through all these trials and suffering and tribulations and, th and things that you're going to experience in the world um, because uh, of, uh, of uh, uh, falling away from me, you're going to also experience this restoration. You're going to experience my peace and my goodness. You're going to experience who I am because I am God. I'm Yahweh and I haven't changed and I am still there for you. So it's interesting that as the people of Israel, as they go closer towards this day of judgment, when they come, Babylon comes, Assyria comes and takes over this nation before they become captive, uh, before they become captives uh, in, by these new nations, uh, there's this new promise, this promise here that Jeremiah foretells. And really, as you look around our world today, I was just having a few conversations this week. It feels like the end of the world. Like, like really, like, I don't know. Okay. No one knows. All right. So I'm not, no, don't quote me on this. I know it's recorded. Like, I'm not saying I know the end of the world. Okay. Uh, so I don't want any emails and messages saying, you know, that's not biblical because no one knows. Uh, but what, what I am saying is it feels like this, right? It, with the pandemic that we've been going through, uh, the political turmoil, the cultural turmoil that we're going through, the, the wars in the world and the tensions of people, uh, the heat wave, that we just experienced and now the fire in Lytton where like the whole town village is on, like, like on fire and gone almost uh there, there's also a picture this week of um there's a gas leak in the gulf of um, mexico i believe where literally it looked like a lake of fire like literally in the middle did you know water can be on fire like that's what it looked like uh it was just oil burning on top on this fire it's like a so you look at that, you're like, it seems like it's the end of the world, like this kind of feel, this judgment day kind of thing. But I want to encourage us here that if you're feeling tired this morning and it's been a long couple of years and you're feeling exhausted in the middle of it all, in the middle, the promise to the people of Israel here, in the middle of it all, that there's still a voice calling out, that there's still a voice calling out to you saying, you can find peace, you can find hope, 
you can still have joy. You can still have rest, even with the turmoil, even with everything that's happening in your life. And I think for many of us, when we talk about rest, we think about sleeping, which is part of it. We think about not doing much, which is definitely part of it. And maybe physical rest is what you need. But I think for many of us, it's actually a, a, a rest of the mind. Uh, having your mind rest, because our minds are always going. Uh, it's always thinking about the next thing, the next responsibility, the next place you need to be. And our minds are often on to the next thing where you're worried about that next errand, the next appointment. But God calls us to rest, not just physically, but all of us, our body, our hearts, our minds, our souls, all of us, we come to the stop, which is what the word for Sabbath means in scripture. As you read it all over Exodus, that the word Shabbat in, in Hebrew means to cease. And it's not just physical ceasing. It's a ceasing of everything. Uh, literally, your mind, you're just uh, in, the, in those moments of stopping what you normally consider to be work, your normal everyday routines that for six days you work. And on the seventh day, you Shabbat, you cease and, and you take time to rest and to rejuvenate. And Sabbath is really about returning to who God made us to be. It's a reset in the week, a, a reset, a, re, a reminder for our souls and our minds and our hearts, and all of us of what, who God has called us to be, not to do, not, not what God has called you to do, but who he has made you to be and to be reminded of, of that to be loved by God, to be cared for by God, to be accepted by God, just as we are. That's the understanding of the word uh, Shabbat. And the big idea for us this morning, as we go into this text, is learning to stop and rest is the start of living a good life with God. I'm going to say that, say that again. Learning to stop and rest is the start of living a good life with God. That God has all these great promises for us, this peace of life, this hope like no other, but often we're too busy to notice it. That it's when we stop and when we decide to stop and rest and we choose to rest that we start seeing God for who he really is and we start enjoying God for who he really is. There's a story of a man who challenged another man uh, to an all day wood chopping event. That sounds very manly. <laughs> a wood blocking chopping contest. So the challenger worked hard, uh, stopping only for a brief lunch break. But the other man, on the other hand, he had leisurely uh, had his lunch and he took several breaks during the day. But at the end of the day, the challenger was surprised because he noticed this other man who took all these breaks was actually chopping more wood than him. And he was saying, well, how is this possible? How could you take all these breaks and substantially chop more wood than I. And he said, I don't get it. Every time I checked, you were just resting. You were just resting and not doing anything. So how can you be chopping more wood? And this other man replied, but you, what you, but you didn't notice though, what I was doing. Uh, the, the winning woodsman said that every time I sat down, every time I rested, I was actually sharpening my ax. That I was actually sharpening my ax when I sat down to rest. So when I went down, my ax was actually sharper. I was chopping more wood than you because your, your axe is getting more blunt every single time. And I think that's the challenge for us today that we think that we got to grind through life. We got to keep going. The breaks are for the week. That resting is for the week. But that's the way that God has designed us to be, to take those breaks, to sharpen our axe, uh, to, to, uh, to be rejuvenated, to be refilled by God. And in Jeremiah and his word to the Israelites is in these moments where we, we learn to stop, that we learn to listen. That's a way of sharpening our axes. When we learn to stop, that we learn 
to, to listen. And a conversation with God is like a conversation over Zoom. Only one person can talk at a time. <laughs> right? Like it doesn't work when everyone is talking. And if I keep talking like this and you're trying to speak to me, it doesn't work that way. A conversation with God is the same way that often we're talking, 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 and we are always just asking and just, but we don't stay still and we don't stop and we don't rest and we don't listen. So God has all these great words for us, these great encouragements for us. And he's saying, are you listening? Are you listening? And have you noticed in this text uh, this morning, all the times that we notice the word, the Lord says, or the Lord declares that this is God speaking. How many times did we see this? We saw it in verse one, at that time declares the Lord, verse three, the Lord appeared to us saying, uh, verse 14 declares the Lord again, verse 23, the God of Israel says, our God is a speaking God. Our God is a communicating God. Our God has a voice and he wants to speak to us and, and, and speak into your life that he's not distant, that he's not far away, that he is a God that wants to engage in your life and have a conversation with you. And I love this quote from Gordon T. Smith from his book, Courage and Calling, which, which I think I have it. Oh, yeah. <laughs> this book is from, which I think I have. It. If you want to borrow it from me, uh, it's a great book. Uh, it's called Courage and Calling from Gordon T. Smith. He has a quote that says this in the book. Uh, the antidote to exhaustion may not be rest, but wholeheartedness. We're typically exhausted because we're not doing our true work. And I love that because... He's saying our exhaustion not, may not be from, from rest, but it's actually from wholeheartedness. It's because in those moments of rest, though we rest physically and we rest spiritually in our heart, that it's actually in these moments of rest that we get to listen. He goes on to say that, that we get to listen and understand what God is actually calling us to. Because we often try to figure it out on our own, but God has been speaking to us, but we haven't taken the time to pause and to hear. And I'm so glad Joyce shared her story it doesn't get any more clear than that <laughs> when you read a devil uh, in that way and you hear God speaking. That for many of us, like when we stop and pause, it's a realignment. Uh, yes, we're resting physically. And yes, our soul's taking a breather. But it's also us realigning our hearts to God's heart and becoming more wholehearted into the work that he has called us uh, towards. Because work isn't bad. Right in the beginning, God created work for Adam uh, as he worked the soil. Work wasn't a negative thing; it wasn't a punishment. It was it, it was a great joy that that Adam had. That was what he was doing. He found fulfillment in, in fulfilling and uh, taking care of the soil. He found fulfillment in naming the animals and taking care of them. But it was when sin came into the world that we had distorted view of work. But as we listen to God, we become more aligned with who He is and what He has called us to. What He specifically has aligned. You too. And this point here, just of how when we learn to stop, that is really when we learn to listen, that some of us need to realize this morning that God still speaks today and that God isn't silent. And sometimes he might speak to you directly. Uh, sometimes he might, you might hear an audible voice of God and you hear him in, 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 through your visions and your dreams. And that's how God shows up to you. Maybe it's when you're praying uh, maybe God's speaking to you through other godly people as well that has a word for you uh, in the conversations you have with them. Maybe God speaks to you through nature as you're out for a walk or in the silence. But I know that God also always speaks through his word. That every time you open his word, that is God speaking to you as well. And connection, that's why devotions are so important. As Joyce, I, I, we didn't plan this. <laughs> so as Joyce shared that, that's why our devotions are important. Because God speaks through that. He speaks, speaks through those opportunities. And if we're not hearing God's voice, 
And perhaps I want to encourage us, maybe it's because we haven't taken the time to slow down and to stop and to really seek his voice. And we have had, haven't had moments to pause and to listen. Because if we did, maybe we'll hear the voice of God and what he is saying. We'll see that every single time uh, when you rest and when you stop, that rest is really about drawing us close to God. That when we stop and we pause, we realize God wants to be close to us and there's an opportunity for us to draw closer to him and to have this moment uh, with him. We read this in Jeremiah uh, 31 verse 2. This is what the Lord says. The people who survive the sword will find favor in the wilderness. And this is important here. Uh, if you want to highlight the word wilderness and circle that, that is interesting. Like they would find favor, not in a place of comfort, not in a place where everything is perfect, where everything is lined up. They're in a place of wilderness in the place where you don't expect God to speak. That's where God is going to speak. It's the place of wilderness in the wild, not in a place of comfort, but in this wilderness and God in the wilderness says, I will come to you and give you rest in the moments of your greatest turmoil, the moments where you feel like things are off the rails, this is when God shows up and he shows up and he, he, he reveals himself to be enough for us. So he says, he says, we'll find favor in the wilderness. I'll come and give you rest. In verse three, the Lord appeared to us in the past saying, I have loved you with an everlasting love. I've drawn you with an unfailing kindness and I will build you up again. I will build you up again, even though you're in the wilderness, even though you're going through the pain, even though you're going through the chaos right now, this is what the Lord has said to us in the past. It's already been said. And it's what he continues to say. It's not something that he newly re has revealed is that this, as we pause, we get to listen and learn and, and, and understand again, what God is saying to us, that he has this everlasting love. He has this unfailing kindness that this is, as we read this, this is explaining the character of God. Like this is who he is. He has an, an everlasting love for you. He has this unfailing kindness towards you. This is who he is. May the Lord bless you <laughs> because this is who he is. This is God's character. And he is a God that wants to build you up again. He is a God that wants to draw close. He wants to be in your life. Even in your pain, even in your waiting, even in your tiredness and in your suffering, in your darkest moments, remember this, that this is a writing in this book, as I pause here, that remember this in Jeremiah, this is uh, Jeremiah writing the words of God as a word of judgment over the people and this in the brinks, uh, when they're about in the brink of exile and captivity, even in this moment of chaos, in the moments where they feel most alone, there's this reminder here of God's everlasting love, of his unfailing kindness, of how he wants to build you up. He wants to be with you. Like Daniel in the lion's den, like Moses walking through the Red Sea, like Peter when he's walking on the waves, when you're in the most chaos, God can give you the most calm is in the moments of greatest chaos that you can experience the greatest calm as well. Because God is above the storm, as we sung. God is above the waves. God is above the situation you're a part of. And he wants us to see that, to experience him, to be like, it's going to be 
okay. And God is saying he's going to be there. He's continued to be there for you. Like God is giving you this everlasting love that has no end. It's unfailing love that nothing else can ever take away. It's all towards you, his people. But we need to stop. And we need to cease. We, we need to rest and find refuge in him. Verse six, there will be a day when watch the watch when watchmen cry out on the hills of Ephraim, come let us go up to Zion to the Lord our God. So we learn that rest uh, draws us close to God. That whenever we stop, that we take a moment to pause and draw close to God. But here is also interesting that with rest, rest is about being emotionally vulnerable and real. That in the, that's another way to sharpen your axe. That when we rest and we Sabbath and we take a break from our work, that it's a way for us to be emotionally vulnerable and real. Here, if I go back to verse six, it says here, right? The watchman said, come, let us go up. Let us go up to Zion to the Lord our God. Let us approach God. Let us draw close to him so that we can be open and real, so that we can be vulnerable, so that we can be close to him and, and, and be in relationship with him. And that's because God, again, is our refuge. I'm going to keep repeating that he's our refuge and we can be honest and real before him. We don't need to hide. We don't need to hide our shame. We don't need to hide our brokenness. God knows it all anyways. He wants us to realize it ourselves. He wants us to realize our, our brokenness. He wants to realize and to reflect and to come to grasp with how we're actually feeling because the other six days, you might not have an opportunity to. In your work, you got you to gotta paint this picture that you're strong and you know what you're doing because we want you know, we want to work with professionals, right? So if you're a professional, you don't know what you're doing. Well, that makes the client panic. It makes people around us panic. We have to put this, this, this face and this persona in front. But God is saying, when you come before me, you don't need to have that, that, that persona. I know, I know you, you're my child, you're my son, you're my daughter. Rest is about being emotionally vulnerable and real before God. And uh, this week, as part of my program, I say that as a caveat, uh, but as part of my program, I was able to see a counselor as part of my, uh, and I've been wanting to, to see a counselor for the longest time. My wife, Jess, has been urging me to see a counselor for the longest time, uh, just to share my life and to work through some aspects of my life. And I'm here as uh, saying a strong testimony that I recommended to everyone <laughs> that the counseling is for everyone. It's a place that for you to work out your history and the past pains and hurts as you work it out. That you, as you speak it out, you, as you're emotionally vulnerable to a counselor, that you realize certain things about yourself. And it's the same with God, that God is our counselor. The Holy Spirit is our counselor. As we're honest and real before him, that we realize things about ourselves. It's not like God's not surprised by any of it, right? He's like, oh, I didn't know about that. Like, you know, wow. Like I've, I'm learning. Like, no, like God's like, yeah, good. Like now, like, now that you know, like, like I've been trying to reveal that to you the whole time, but you haven't been stopping. You haven't been ceasing. I've been trying to tell you that, uh, that, that the whole time, uh, that there's this power in naming how we feel that, and being vulnerable and real and explaining, uh, uh, not explaining and working out uh, how we're feeling so that we actually understand it uh, ourselves. Uh, I read this week from the Canadian Mental Health Association that the pandemic has taken an emotional toll on people in Canada as 77% of adults reports feeling so-called negative emotions as a result of the COVID-19 pandemic. The five most common responses, and maybe you relate to these as well, across Canada were worried or anxious, bored, stressed, 
lonely or isolated and sad. And the report kind of goes on breaking those down in, in, into different cities and how different people are, are feeling. But another paragraph caught my attention and I'll read it for us. Research also shows that putting your negative emotions into words disrupts and reduces activity in the amygdala, the part of your brain that drives your responses to stress and fear. Having a specific label for what we're feeling increases activity in the prefrontal and temporal regions of the brain. The act of naming our emotions can actually help us feel calmer and help us understand what we're going through. God is our original counselor. There's nothing new under the sun. And he knew this before all of this already, before we had the science to explain it, uh, before we could work it all out. But here from the, I just read that. I'm like, this is exactly what we're talking about here in rest, that every single week, just like how we see a human counselor, or you, you have a friend that you confide in where you explain your feelings and how you're doing, God is there for us as well, all the time. And he doesn't get tired. He doesn't get weary of listening. He wants to know. He wants to hear. He wants you to be fully restored and to find this rest in him. And just like how I found this freedom and this, uh, this peace uh, sharing with this other Christian counselor, every time we have this conversation with God, it's the same thing. So when we take time to rest, it's time for us to be emotionally vulnerable and real before God. And we experience this peace, this calmness. And that's why people journal because some people find it a little bit easier to express how they're feeling. Some people do a voice recording. Uh, some people just pray uh, through it all. Whatever it looks like is a moment for us to be real and emotionally vulnerable. And I know if you're like me again, it might scare you that, to know how you're feeling because as a culture and society, we've become so good at numbing it through different things, whatever, choose your drug. But God has called us to be real before him, to bring our anxieties, to bring our pain, to bring our loneliness and our stress before God, and to re receive this feeling and this refreshment from him. Because whenever we rest, whenever we take this time to pause and to cease, rest is also about returning to our true identity. That when we stop, when we learn to stop, we learn to listen. That when we, when we take time to rest, we draw close to God. And when we rest, it's about, as you draw close to God, it's about being emotionally vulnerable with them and being real with them. But as we have this conversation with God, we learn and we return to our true identity every time we take a break, every time we rest. And we see all the good things that God has for us. And I don't have it on a slide here, but you, if you read through verses 10 to 14, you'll notice all the good things that God says to the people of Israel. And I'll summarize this. He says to the people of Israel, I will gather you together again. I'll gather and I'll watch over my flock. I will deliver and I will redeem. And the people of Israel, they'll shout for joy again. And they will rejoice. There will be a bounty of the Lord. There will be new wine and there'll be new soil. There will be a well-watered garden that's flourishing. There will be no more sorrow. sorrow. They will dance and be glad. And I like how I added in there, both the old and the young. <laughs> so it doesn't matter that there'll be mourning will be turned into gladness and God will give comfort and joy that when we return to him and rest, that we learn to cease and stop and come back into this relationship with him. We understand our true identity, that this is what we become again. The other six days, we might be working and toiling and maybe being bombarded by the ways of the world. But whenever we rest, especially on the seventh day, when we learn to Sabbath well, we return to our true identity. We return to who God has made us 
to be. And I love this last verse here in verse 25. This is one of those that you want to highlight and you want to remember. I will, this is a promise from God. I will refresh the weary and satisfy the faint. This is a promise. This is a promise of God. And he goes off into the rest of the chapter talking about this covenant that he's forming with Israel. And this is the promise and the covenant that he's forming with you. That I will refresh the weary and I will satisfy the faint. The root word here for refresh is the Hebrew word rava, which means to be saturated. It means to be, uh, to be refreshed means to be saturated or to be watered abundantly. And the word weary can also be translated as parched. So when, I, when God says, I will refresh the weary, he says, I will water abundantly those that are feeling parched, those are, that are thirsty. And by the word satisfy, again, it means to fill. And the word faint is the word of the year for our pandemic languished. That here, when he's saying, when I'll satisfy the faint, I will fill those who are languished, those that feel like there's no reason for their being, no purpose to their every day. I will satisfy the faint. I will fill and be their new purpose. And I love what Mark Buchanan says in the rest of God, which I don't have in the back here, <laughs> the rest of God. Uh, uh, most of the things we need to be most fully alive never come in busyness. I'll say that again. Most of the things we need to be most fully alive never come in busyness. They grow and rest. So most of the things that we want to be fully alive in, they don't come into busyness. They actually come out of the rest that we have. They come out of those moments of ceasing, those moments of stopping, those moments of resting. That's when we receive the most life. My wife, Jess, uh, has been beautifying our patio area lately. And she and Cohen uh, went out to our local gardening store. Uh, she said it was just going to be a short trip. And it became two and a half, two and a half hours later. And I messaged her, is everything okay? <laughs> like, you know, what's going on? She's like, there's so many plants here. I don't really know what to get. And, 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 and so that she brought a whole bunch of plants back. And uh, Cohen learned to garden. Uh, and we're in our, in, our, in our back patio, just filling up the soil and planting little plants and flowers and, and whatnot. And with all this gardening, I learned a lot. And Jess is like, oh, this is really peaceful. I'm like, yeah, like, you know, like, it seems like we're realigning ourselves to what God has made us to be, right? <laughs> made us to be out in nature, to be connected with, with nature. But even though I know nothing about plants, what I learned in a short amount of time is that you need to water them. Uh, for one thing, <laughs> and you need good soil for them. But how do you water plants? You don't water plants with, because one point where Cohen was running around with this, you know, with, with, the, with the planter, uh, you water plants by having the plant be still. Like the plant is staying still and the water has to be directly poured up over the plant into the soil. You don't run around, you know, randomly scattered. You got to go to where the soil is and water the plant specifically. The plant has to be still. It has to be planted in the soil. It has to be at rest. And I want to, that to be the image for us. That many of us are running around like a plant that's running around. And we're expecting to be watered by God when we haven't been planted. That we haven't been still. That we haven't set ourselves in a moment where God's like, I want to water you. Just stand there for a moment. <laughs> All right? Just stay still. This, this be there because I want to water you. I want to give you good soil. I want to have all these great things for you, but you're running around chasing after all these other things. So that's what Sabbath is. That's what rest is. It's 
taking a deliberate moment, whether it's five minutes, 10 minutes of your Sunday, if that's what you choose to be, or the full 24 hours to be planted and stilled and to be deliberately watered by the perfect gardener, God, our father, who knows what he is doing. And if you have your Bibles, I love this last passage here in verse 26, because all of this happens to Jeremiah when he's sleeping. <laughs> he's having this vision, this dream when he's sleeping. And verse 26, I'll read it for us. At this, I awoke and I looked around. My sleep had been pleasant to me. <laughs> 30, 30 chapters. Well, he wasn't asleep for the 30 chapters, but for this one chapter, it was 30 chapters of judgment. This one chapter, he's sleeping and God appears to him, him, him in his dream moment when he's resting moment when he's still and he woke up and having the best sleep he's ever had and he had to say in a moment of this in verse 26 which seems to be a throwaway verse my sleep had been pleasant anyone want a pleasant sleep like <laughs> i will want a pleasant sleep and he, that's amazing here after all of this the goodness of god of resting in god and all these things that he's just described to us he wakes up and he says that was pleasant and that's what the people of God ought to be like after we encounter God. That's not a burden. That when we encounter God, it's like, that's pleasant. That's filling. That was good. I'm refreshed. I'm good to go for the rest of the week. I'm, I'm good to go because I've encountered Jesus. That Jesus was never meant to be a burden, but Jesus was meant to come and lift our burdens and to take away our pain and take away our suffering. When I was in my classes a couple of weeks ago, as I'm coming to an end, that the whole class that I love that my program is starting with, some of you might be wondering what program it is. I'm, I'm taking a doctorate of ministry in, at Tyndale. It's a three-year part-time program, but I love how the program starts off with this formation of a leader where it talks about what is our walk like with Jesus. Before you plan anything, before you talk about anything administrative, before you talk about vision, before you talk about leading the church and people, you got to lead yourself. You got to look at the mirror. And one of the, the, one of the professors said this, and it stuck onto my mind and onto my heart. And she said this, God has not called you to burn yourself out. God has not called you to burn yourself out. And I think that's a strong word for us this morning as we talk about God and rest. That for us as Lord's love, as you as a Christian, as you as you're learning what it means to be in relationship with God, God has not called you to burn yourself out. God has called you to rest in him, to find joy in him, to find peace in him. Yes, there's actions, but our being flows out, our doing flows out of our being with who we are. But until we get refreshed, we're just burning ourselves out. God has not called us to burn yourself out. So the question I want to ask you as we come to an end is, are you taking your Sabbath? What does your Sabbath look like? Like I mentioned before, it could be five minutes on your Sunday, 10 minutes, you start off, whatever it, it is, but I want to challenge you to have deliberate time. And I want to challenge you. You're saying, I'm really busy. Yes, I agree with you, but do everything you can within those six days so that you can Sabbath on the seventh. Sabbath for me, for our family is usually Mondays. And when we miss it, we're really sad. Cohen calls it family day. Uh, and it really confuses his teachers because he's like, oh, a family day every Monday, but the teacher was like family days in February, right? Like that's the, <laughs> that's the official holiday, but Cohen's like, I have family day every single Monday. Like, I don't know what you're talking about, but we look forward to it. That's the day that we work towards in six days of hard work and toil. We know that we're going to rest well on the seventh day and we look forward to it. However, that looks like. So the question for you is, do you have that kind of time? 
have you set aside those moments where you rest and you cease and you sharpen your ax and you be refilled by God and you experience this joy and this peace with him? Because especially today, as we go to the Lord's table, the invitation has always been this from the beginning, that God has a seat for you at the table. That God has a seat for you at the table. And he's saying, as he come, as he's saying, hey, Doug, come sit with me. You've been running around. There's a seat for you at the table of God. Come and sit with me. Hey, you want some bread? <laughs> hey, you want something to drink? Here, have some more. Anyone been to the keg <laughs> where you have that bread before and be you finish all that bread and the meal, you know what? I'm already full already. God's like saying, I have all the bread you want. I'm going to fill you. Come to my table. I just want to give you something to eat. I don't want you to do anything. I just want you to be and come to eat. How's your day? How's your week been? God's like, how'd you sleep last night? You know, what's on your mind? Well, you know, you know that and you're talking to God, like I have that project on my mind. He's like, yeah, yeah, I know. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know, that work's been really tough. Yeah, I know. Like the pandemic's really been something. Uh, you know, that's going on in my family. It's like, yeah, yeah. Like, you know, keep telling me about it. And God's grabbing a bite of the bread as well. Uh, he's eating it and having this meal with you. You finish your piece of bread and he's like, you want more? Uh, 5,000 of them at least. Uh, <laughs> you want some fish <laughs> you want what else, what else do you want god just wants that with you god wants to sit and commune with you and to have this relationship with you but yet we run around and around and around and we miss the table of god altogether it's a call for us today this morning as we go into communion especially it's that God wants you to sit and to be still and to cease and to receive from him. And sometimes you might hear an audible voice. Sometimes you might just feel this great sense of peace. Sometimes you feel a burden lift off. Sometimes you feel joy. That's the presence of God in your life. And he wants that with you. He wants that for you. He doesn't want you to burn out. He doesn't want you to burn yourself to the ground. He wants you as a Christian, as a person, as us, as a church to rest well and to rest well in him. Let's pray, Father, as we come before you now, um, again, in communion, God, we remember your goodness and your joy. God, we want this rest that you have for us. Father, so I pray for us as busy people that live in a busy city, just to do something so radical to the world, which is to stop and to be still, and to be silent, and just to rest, and just to be with you. God, I pray as a church that in these moments where we rest, that we would receive a filling from you, that we will have faith that as you fill us, that it will be enough. And we thank you that you are our refresher, you are our provider, you're the one that makes a way when there is no way. So God, this moment, just like a car pulling up to a gas station, every time we rest, God, may we be filled by you. And we know, God, that we don't need to be a specific place, but you are accessible anywhere and everywhere. In our toughest moments, in our mountaintop moments, and in the valley moments, you're there with us. And we're saying yes to that again today.
In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.